Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Don't forget about the things I said when I was drunk. I didn't mean to call you that. I can't think of the name of that song. My own more sent me. Ah, my. Uh, lit. <laughs> by lit. That's why you. That's why you got it. All right. Yeah. Makes that sense. song was lit. That <laughs> very lit. That song is lit. How's it going, everybody? You are listening slash watching the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today, this episode is lit. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's lit because we're talking about green and black. That doesn't make any sense. Not at all. Uh, we are revisiting top ten cards uh, because I guess <laughs> because we for let's not talk about lands. <laughs> Okay, here's what actually happens. So Jimmy and I, every week, we have a conversation, usually via text, about what the topic is going to be. And we usually start three or four days before we're going to record. And we're like, you know, we have a, a list of stuff that, you know, we've been meaning to get to or whatever. Deck and, Doctors is on that list, don't worry. <laughs> and uh, so we were like, what if we did, like, top ten lands? You know, we've done top ten artifacts. We've done top ten of each color. And we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll do top ten lands. Okay, you come up with your list. I'll come up with mine. We'll touch base in a couple of days and look at our lists. A couple of days rolls around. I'm uh, researching. I don't know how you do it, but I usually open, like, EDH Rec and mm-hmm. then just Google, like, top ten lands in EDH. And I just start compiling a list of what is possible. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to rank them myself. And as I'm Googling, I come across a webpage uh, called rocketjump.com, and it has an episode of the Command Zone, episode 104, that's called Top 10 Lands in EDH. (laughs) So uh, turns out we already did that episode, so it was back to the drawing board, and that was like two days ago. Um, Yeah, I texted Jimmy, and I was like, wow, we've been doing the show for too long. We're now starting to forget which topics we've already covered. 159 episodes had to happen eventually. So today, we're going to still revisit top 10, but we're going to do two colors, and we're actually going to re-rank some cards, uh, because I looked at my old list. I was like, what was I thinking? Yeah, I think this is actually really interesting, and it sort of brought to light a cool topic idea that I think we can do, which is... You know, those episodes where we did top 10 green cards and top 10 black cards are two years old now. Mm -hmm. And going and looking at what our lists were then 
and then what they would be now and maybe why they've changed and how our philosophies or strategies regarding Commander have evolved in the last two years, uh, I think will be interesting. So that's going to be the main topic. But before we get to that, we're going to have to tell you where you're going to need to go to purchase all of these black and green cards we're about to talk about. And that is cardkingdom.com. Use the affiliate link slash command zone, and you'll be supporting the show, helping us keep uh, the lights on, as it were, as well as Card Kingdom is really the best place to order your cards because the cards always come in great condition, a lot of times even better condition than listed, mm-hmm. and they get to you super fast. Card Kingdom puts the stuff in the mail faster than anybody. It's crazy. You yeah. order, and usually within a, even less than a couple of hours, you'll get the notification that your order has shipped. Yeah, and that's really important because you have a full staff of people working at the, the website slash physical store. Whereas if you're buying from independent sellers, there's a lot more risk involved. I've had some cards shipped in some really ugly-looking top loaders with scotch tape attached to them. That actually touched the card sometimes. Yeah, and it looks like it was written by a 13-year-old shipping out of their mom's house. So at Card Kingdom, you do not get that. Yeah. Yeah. The show is also brought to you by UltraPro. UltraPro. Ultra Pro, which you can also get product out at Card Kingdom. Obviously, we've been hyping up these Eclipse Lee for a long time now. We hear about them all the time. In fact, our good buddy Cassius Marsh just received a package from Ultra Pro, and he had even heard of the Eclipse Sleeve and was excited to try them out. So that's exciting. I would definitely pick up those Eclipse Sleeves if you can. Yeah, they're they're hard to find these days, but if you can find them, grab them. The other way to support the show is directly via patreon.com slash command zone. You can contribute directly to not only this show, but game nights and again, help that content keep flowing. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this one is, okay, here we go. This one is Jeremy Jeremy Podcerwinski. There's a lot of letters in there. It's Jeremy P-O-D-C-Z-E-R-W-I. N-S-K-I. Oh, it's got ski at the end. Podservinsky. 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 Cool I have name. no idea. We tried. <laughs> Thank we tried you, Jeremy, s- for supporting the show. <laughs> Jeremy, you rock. You rock. All right. Let's move on to our main topic, the reevaluation of the top 10 cards in green and black. So we used to make lists for all of these. We've done all the colors and lands, of course, and, and artifacts. artifacts. Um, but we remade the new lists without looking at the old ones. Yeah, that's the thing. We didn't look at our old list until we'd made our new list. So we just said, okay, let's make our top 10 list today for green and then for black separately. Yep. And then what we're going to do is compare them to the old lists and just talk about what cards have sort of risen or fallen in, in our estimation and maybe why. Also, we have a $25 limit that we always set on these lists just yeah. so we're not talking about, like in green, we'd put guy's cradle up there but it's 200 dollars, and it just doesn't seem of course if you have guy's cradle play it but it's not interesting to talk about because most people don't have access to it yeah um power level usually increases with price so obviously if it's over 25 dollars, it's probably going to be a pretty good card it would yeah, make not always way. i would say because tarmogoyf a really expensive card and not great in edh because of formats it's not always about money but in general we're just trying to keep it reasonable 25 dollars is still a lot for a card we know yeah. but at least that's a card that you could trade a couple fetch lands for or something um also, that may include some cards that have changed in price that used to be on our list. Uh, no longer are But allowed. are they more expensive, so they're not allowed? Or cards that used to not be allowed, but they've fallen in price and are now allowed. Yeah. So that happens, too. Uh, so that's going to be part of the discussion, which I find interesting. Um, yeah, is there anything else we need to talk about? I guess... We're not going to read every card because we're talking about 40 cards on the show today. So if you want to, if you don't know the card and you want to actually see it, make sure you just watch the video version at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Obviously, we'll still, you know, refer to what some of the cards do. But in general, we're hoping you know what most of these do. Um, 
Oh yeah, we're also ranking these cards according to how good they are in the 99 of your deck. So these won't include the commander as far as... I think it would be a separate list to be like top 10, top 10. green commanders. In fact... Hey, we've got a new show idea. Yeah, Yisan, number one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Azusa. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then let's talk about how we determine the ranking. So we don't set a way that we have to. Jimmy, you have your own ranking. Mm -hmm. I have my own. We just sort of go how the top 10 is. So do you want to talk about, I think in general we have a similar philosophy, but yeah, you want to talk yeah. about how you determine so your rankings? So the most important thing is the prettier the art, the better the card. <laughs> and if it's white-bordered, it's just not on the list. Whoa. Uh, so there are a lot of things that go into this. Obviously, mana cost is something that we're always thinking about. Now, it's going to be a very different discussion for green because we're allowed to have higher-cost cards on there because green is good at pumping out higher-cost cards. Um, we also do something called the Quadrant Theory, which was introduced by Marshall Sutcliffe on Limited Resources, where it looks at a card in four spectrums of the game. So how is it good in the developing stages? How is it good when you're at parity with your opponent? How is it good when you're ahead of your opponent? And how is it good when you're behind? A lot of theories. A lot of quadrants. <laughs> uh Go ahead. Oh. Sorry, there's one more. Oh, I'm just not, general re relevance of the format. And that ties into quadrant theory, too, because you're going to be, in general, behind more often than ahead in Commander. And also, the beginning stages of the game may not matter as much as the later stages, depending on the deck and the card and the color. So there's a lot of different things that are make a card more relevant to the format. So, like, is this make a really good strategy work always, or is this really good in certain deck types? Is it very narrow? Is it very broad? Yeah, I think in our format, there are a lot of different decks. So does it enable a strategy that's common? Like, does mm -hmm. it enable a token strategy? Does it enable a Voltron strategy? Blah, blah, blah. Or does it prevent a prevalent strategy or combat it? So does it work good against tokens, or does it work good against Voltron or... XYZ, whatever the archetype may be that, that we commonly see. So, yeah, that would definitely bump it up or down on the list. Yeah. Um, so that was our old criteria, kind of. Um, I thought of one other criteria that I used this time that I'm not sure that I did before. Mm -hmm. And it was, how often does the card actually end up in my decks? Mm. So a lot of times you look at these lists, and I, I don't, again, I open EDH Rec, I Google top 10 green cards in EDH, just like everybody else, and I compile this great big list of what I consider to be possible top 10 candidates. And it's usually like 40, 50 cards. And then I start to narrow it down. And it's easy to go through those lists and sort of look at cards and be like, that card's really good. It, 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 it should be in the top 10. And then, then if I ask myself, well, is it actually in any of my decks? No, it's not. Nope. Or it's in one of them, you know? And it's like, okay, well, does that really deserve to be on the top 10? Do you really think it's a top 10? And again, this is just our opinion yeah. of what, not necessarily even the you know no none of our things that we said as criteria was the most powerful it was best yeah so that could be best in your average case scenario like there's going to be a card insurrections are go to um that is in its best is just like hard to not be a top 10 like insurrection just wins you the game but i wouldn't put in my top 10 best cards necessarily because when it doesn't do that it does nothing so yeah yeah it's it's I don't know, it's pretty interesting. But I did go through and go be like, do I actually use this card? It's a good good criteria. All right, let's go into green. We're going to read the old list first. Then we'll read the new list, and we'll talk about some differences. I thought it was interesting. In order to compile the lists, I sort of went back to each episode, too, and just listened to the front end of the episode just to get a feel for <laughs> how long ago that was. So when we did top 10 green cards, that was episode 44. That was April 23rd of 2015, which is almost exactly uh, two years ago. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back then, we used years. to do two episodes per week. At two hours apiece, too. 
Uh, yeah, they were like a little over an hour per episode. But we were crazy. Origi- so the start of the show, little side tangent, each episode was two topics and two hours long. Once yeah, per like week. Yeah, deck tech and a topic. Then we decided, uh, because, and it was sort of because another popular Commander podcast at that time sort of fell apart. And so we were feeling like, oh, let's split our show into two shows instead of two topics for one show will be two shows one topic each and we'll just release it twice a week and so you still get the same amount of content but it's over two episodes of what ended up happening was those episodes would still run like an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> so they were you were getting extra content um and we did that for a while but it ended up being like harder to produce than just one show in a weird way, even though you were kind of taking the old one show and splitting yeah. it in half. Well, we didn't have video either back then, so it felt like a little easier. But if there was a road to burnout, I mean, that we didn't was... have video of us, but we we're still doing full video podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, that was back then. That's how long ago it was. Uh, at the start of the show, they had just announced that Ian McKellen was going to play the clock in the new live action version of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, which... man. Can't wait till that comes out. Yeah, that's going to be sweet <laughs> when it comes out. Uh, and VGHS Season 3 had just been released on Netflix. Nice. Dude, so we talked about that. Oh, yeah, two years ago. Good year for clocks it and video games. It was a very good year. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our old lists at that time. I'll read mine, then you can read yours. Sure. We're going to go through them fairly quickly. Um, we'll t- obviously be touching on that enough, so you know yeah. you don't have to memorize it. But So my old list from April of 2015 was number 10, Awakening Zone. Good card. Number nine, Acidic Slime. Good card. Number eight, Gross and Grip. Eh, just kidding. Number seven, Genesis Wave. Number six, Craterhoof Behemoth. Number five, Doubling Season. Bring, bring. Number four, Greater Good. Draw cards. Number three, Eternal Witness. Get them back. Number two, Oracle of Moldiah. Everyone sees on top of your deck. And my number one green card... At that time, uh, I put as Sylvan Library. Yeah. I didn't even include Sylvan Library in my top 10 cards, and it's in every single one of my green decks. <laughs> That's how poorly I made this list back then. My number 10 was Yavamaya Elder. Number nine was Sky Shroud slash Explosive Vegetation. Yeah. Sky even, Shroud Claim. Yeah, I don't know why I can even combine those two together. Number eight was Worldly Tutor. Number seven, Avenger of Zendi, Zendikar. Number six with Tooth and Nail. Number five, Crater Hoof Behemoth, you had it at number six. Number four, Eternal Witness, you had it at number three. Number three, Survival of the Fittest, back when it was just under the budget limit. Not <laughs> and anymore. Number two, Doubling Season, when it was under the budget limit. Slash Parallel, Parallel Lives. Lives yeah. yeah. And number one was the Oracle of Moldiah. So you had that at number two. But yeah. I didn't have Sylvan Library anywhere. Good job, J Dog. <laughs> it's okay. I look at my list and I don't like it at all either. Yeah. In fact, we're gonna we're gonna read the new list now. And again, you don't have to memorize the differences. We'll talk about them. But I will say that I have six different cards wow. out I, of my top ten. Yeah. So only four of my cards from my original top ten are still on the list. Jimmy, you have seven different cards, which means only three of your original top ten are even still on your top ten list. Yeah. Because I was dumb. I have two of the three uh, top three that are the same, but you only have one of the top three that you kept the same. So yeah. we changed it up a lot here with green. Some of this is because of new cards. Some of this is because of price changes. And some of it is just philosophical, uh, strategical changes that we've had with the format. So, yeah. okay, so let's go down our list one by one. We'll uh, count down from ten. And um, you know, if you've watched these shows, that I like to sort of play around a little with the last couple of slots. Yeah. I like to try and project forward what I think 
because not necessarily what is right now uh, the most played green cards in my decks, but something I'm, I'm planning to go through and change and, and, and try out more. And so at number 10, I put Lifecrafter's Bestiary. Awesome card. Which is a new card from Ether Revolt. It's um, three mana artifacts. At the beginning of your upkeep, scry one, and then whenever you cast a creature spell, you can pay green, and if you do, draw a card. So it's a little bit mentor for the meek for green, but it does scry one, um, and it's any creature spell, not just small creatures. Yeah. But it's a pretty good uh, draw engine in green, and you know, green often has a little bit of extra mana because it, it can ramp so much, and I, I just sort of think this card is going to be very powerful because green decks also often are very creature heavy. Yeah, I think the scry is underrated too because it's, it is green, green card advantage in a accumulated way here. Uh, and if you have the extra green mana to just draw cards off of casting creatures, which is in general a green strategy, I think that's actually, this card is actually pretty good for three mana. Yeah. Scry one, I think it was like Scry two, Scry three. You eventually made a card in value. Yeah, I would so say this will... two. Scry two is close to a card. Yeah, so, so it's you've sort essentially of half a card. yeah half a card every time you scry, which is pretty cool. So if you remember, my old number ten was Awakening Zone, and spoiler alert, it's no longer on my list. Yeah. All right, let's go to your number ten, Jimmy. My number ten is a card that I used to think was just okay, and turns out this card is actually just great. It's Green Sun Zenith, uh, X in the green. This, by the way, was not on my original list. Um, for a sorcery, and it says, search your library for a green creature card with CMC X or less, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library, and then you shuffle Green Sun Zenith into your owner's library. I've seen this card on turn one pull out the Dryad Arbor so many times. And then it's it, such a powerful then, play. And then late game, you draw it again, and you pull out a Crater of Behemoth or something huge because you have a bunch more mana. It's It's just incredibly versatile. Let's talk about that interaction really quick with yeah. Dryad Arbor, which I think is one of the reasons it sort of bumps it. So Dryad Arbor is a land that's a forest, but it's also a 1-1 creature. And because it's a forest, it has a converted mana cost of zero. So on turn one, you can play Green Sun Zenith where X is equal to zero and go find a zero cost creature and put it directly into play, yeah. which puts Dryad Arbor into play, which means you've ramped now on turn one. Yeah, it doesn't get to tap when it comes in, but it doesn't, I mean, like Dryad Arbor is just a, a very bizarre card in that it's a land creature. There aren't very many cards that are creatures and lands at the same time when they come into the battlefield. Especially ones you don't have to turn into the creature at some yeah. point. Like, yeah. And I've seen this interaction happen a lot now, and it's one of those things where it really gets you off to a great start. Turn one ramp is huge, and it's just something that you don't really get the chance to do in many other colors unless you have a soul ring or able to pump out some kind of like extra mana. So Green Sun Zenith has a huge amount of flexibility, and the fact that it's just puts it, puts it onto the battlefield, it's not tapped, um, and later it scales incredibly well in the game too. Yeah, if if you ha if you have it on turn nine, then you can go get Crater Hope Behemoth. Yeah, to mention a card that we had on both our lists last time. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about number nine. This is a card that I have just started to put in more and more decks, and I think it's because the format has kind of changed in the last few years a little bit. Yeah. So it's Bane of Progress. It's four green green for a creature elemental. It's a 2-2, two -two, but it says when Bane of Progress enters the battlefield, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. All of them. And then you put a 1-1 one -one counter on Bane of Progress for each permanent destroyed this way. Um, in one of the game nights... I used it and made it like a 12-12 yeah. and just totally set, um, I think it was Wes and, and, your, me, yeah. and your decks like way back. And I think the reason this has gone up in value to me and I find myself putting it in all the green decks is because artifacts have really been pushed in the last couple of years. So we didn't have, two years ago, I don't think we had Doretti, mm -hmm. Felden, Brea, uh, Ether Revolt and Kaladesh, Kaladesh hadn't yeah. come out and SRAM, SRAM 
wasn't out yet and things like that. So there, I, I'm not saying there weren't artifact decks because there were, but red has really been pushed as an artifact color in the meantime. And so there's even more uh, artifact-based decks. And Bane of Progress just comes down and just eats all that stuff, gets huge, and it's just such a huge swing. Yeah, you get a creature out of it that's giant, and especially if you're able to build around it and not have to get rid of too much of your own stuff, because you're you're doing land ramp in green. You know, you're doing the green sun zenith kind of thing. And you're thing. casting creatures. So if most of your stuff is lands and creatures, yeah. that means that everybody else's stuff, you know, they have a more higher chance of having artifacts and enchantments be what they're sort of the backbone of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so this card, I've just more and more of it uh, has been just going into my decks. I like it. Your number nine previously was Acidic Slime. So this is the Big Daddy version of Acidic Slime. That's Actually, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about it. But it Minus kinda, lands. It yeah. occupies a similar spot to Acidic Slime. Not that Acidic Slime's still not great, but I find Bane of Progress to just be way more swingy yeah. acidic, than Acidic Slime. Yeah, my 10 was Yavamaya Elder to Green Sun Zenith. And it's kind of similar, but I think Green Sun Zenith is way better. Uh, my number nine is a card that I took off for some reason, but it's Birthing Pod. This card has always destroyed tables. Whenever this comes out, it's it's one of so those must removals. I mean, um, it got banned in modern. That's how good it is. Yeah, it's three and a Phyrexian mana, so you can just play three, or you can pay three and a green mana, uh, or two life. Uh, and you can tap one and a Phyrexian mana to tap it to sack a creature, and then you search your library for a creature with CMC equal to one plus sacrifice creature's CMC, and you put it on the battlefield, and they shuffle your library. You can only do it at sorcery speed, but this thing just pumps out new creatures, and you can do it on the turn you play it for four mana, because you can just pay the life to do it as well. Um, it's, it's incredibly good. good. It's a repeatable tutor, and it's sort of notorious for just finding the combo pieces. Like it's kind of inevitable. Yeah. You sack a creature, you find a creature, then you're going to sack that one with Birthing Pod, and then it's sort of inevitable after the second or third time you activate it that there's going to be some kind of combo. Yeah, and the reason I put a lot of my cards on here, I realize, is that a lot of these green cards are just straight win conditions. Yeah. Uh, and that, to me, is really, really important. Um, and Birthing Pot's also great as not a win condition, just a toolboxy thing of like, oh, well, I'm going to sack my Solemn Simulacrum, go get Acidic Slime so I can destroy that problematic yeah. enchantment somebody has. Yeah, there's so many combos. You can you don't even have to necessarily build your deck around it as long as you just make sure that each CMC has one above the other one in your deck. And turning and in green a, decks, you're usually going to have that. Yeah, turning a Solemn into Acidic Slime is just so much value so good yeah um all right number eight is a newish card that i've talked about a lot on the show and i find myself just again including it in more and more green decks it's cryptolith right it's one in a green for an enchantment it says creatures you control have tap add one mana of any color to your mana pool so it turns all of your creatures into birds of paradise and i just find that most of my green decks tend to have a lot of creatures, and therefore Cryptolith Right is just so, so good in those situations because yeah. a lot of times you don't even play it on two. You're like creature, creature, commander, creature. Then on turn, you know, five, you drop Cryptolith Right, and instead of having, you know, five or six mana available to you, you have eight or nine, and you do something huge, like very mm -hmm. early. Uh, yeah, it's just it allows you to do some crazy broken stuff fast. And it's all creatures, so it works in... Because a lot of green stuff is green things, green this, but Cryptolith, right, does not care. Just creatures you control. Their Tokens, chance. even. Yeah. Everything. Oh, yeah. In a token deck, the Cryptolith, right, goes up super high. Um, and it says their chant was incomprehensible, but its power was unmistakable. So that's all your little Oh, well, my old... Um, sorry, my old number seven... Oh, sorry, my old number eight, eight yeah. was Croson Grip, which... 
spoiler alert, has not fallen off my list. In fact, it's the first card, I think, on either of our lists that actually climbed in value in the meantime. Yeah, and for some reason, it's not appeared on any of my lists. Well, go me. Um, all right, my number eight is Life from the Loam, another card that I thought was just a modern kind of card, but every single time I see it get played and dredged and played and dredged, I go, oh, all right, I get it. <laughs> One in the green, it's a sorcery, which have to three target land cards from your graveyard to your hand, and you can dredge three. So instead of drawing a card, if you would draw one, you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, and then you draw the life from the loam to your hand. So, And the funny thing about that is when you dredge and you mill the top three of your library, what goes into your uh, graveyard? Only lands. More lands. More, More lands, lands, yeah. yeah. So a life from the loam is just one of those things that it's super good with... Oh, your wastelands, your strip mines. Uh, there, there's so much land hate that I think people need to build into their decks now because some lands just end up changing the landscape haha, of the game without being able to be removed. That's why Acidic Slime is so good because it can target lands as well. And Life from the Loam just gives you a ton of accrued value, and that's, I think, one of the best ways to really get ahead in Magic for Commander is just building up that value. And Life from the Loam is one of those cards, I think, it doesn't go in every deck, but the decks where it does belong, it's so incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your old number seven... Was Avenger of... Oh, oh sorry, number, number eight. Eight was Worldly, Worldly Tutor. Tutor. And I think Green Sun Zenith kind of takes the the that part of it for me. Spoiler alert, Worldly Tutor is no longer on Jimmy's list. No. All right, so number seven for me is my old number one. <laughs> it's Sylvan Library. So this is a very common card. You... at. During your draw phase, instead of drawing a card, you actually look at the top three cards, and then you draw your normal one, but you can also draw any of the other two for four life each. Yeah. So if you want to draw all three, eight life. And then you can put them back on the library in any order, so it does a sort of divining top impression. A yeah. very, very powerful card, um, not just for card draw, but also for sort of top of your deck manipulation. Yeah, and you're technically drawing all three of those cards. Yes, true. So if there's a Sphinx on the table, they're going to benefit. Or if there's a Nekusar, then that'll hurt. Ooh, boy, yeah. What was your previous number seven? Oh, my old number seven was uh, Genesis Wave. Nice. Which sort of occupied, I would say, the, um, I don't know, the sort of big mana slot. Yeah. Uh, my new number seven is a card that appeared on your original list, but not my original list. It is greater good. <laughs> now it's no longer good. on my list. Wait, really? Oh, my gosh. I think this card is unbelievable. <laughs> it's very, very good. Greater good. Two green green for an enchantment. You can sack a creature to draw cards equal to its sacrifice creature power. Creature's power, then discard three cards. This is green. There are going to be a lot of times when you're drawing like six, seven cards and discarding three. Um, it's an instant speed sack outlet as well. I just think this card is one of those, like... I had another card on here originally, but it, it blew past the $25 limit. Uh, and Greater Good, I think, is on that same power level-ish. Uh, the original card was uh, Food Chain. And you can remove cards or creatures to give yourself extra mana. This is just a great way to remove creatures to get a bunch of cards. So that's why I like this quite a bit. Yeah, this card's very, very good. Um, it sort of has... I, I still play it in a number of decks, but there's certain decks that don't want it where they don't have big enough creatures and... Maybe they don't necessarily want to be uh, sacrificing stuff, and that's why it sort of fell off mine. It could yeah. easily still be on. I will say I kind of tailored my list to be focused on if you're playing a green deck, because Green Sun Zenith and Greater Good very much are pointing towards like, hey, you're playing green, let's go into that color a little bit. And of bit. course, you are playing a deck with green in it, so it's a good assumption. I think it's yeah. fair. And my previous number seven was the Avenger of Zendikar. Let's stop here real quick, and, and do you want to talk about why the Avenger is no longer on your list? It's just not been effective if someone isn't able to 
to play this seven mana creature and crack a fetch land at the same time and hopefully have haste to use the creatures. Um, yeah, it just requires a lot. Like how often, and I would ask this question to all listeners out there, have you seen an Avenger of Zendikar actually sort of fulfill what its promise is, which yeah. is make a bunch of like plants that actually get to swing and attack it feels like that almost never happens yeah and almost always if someone plays an avenger of zendikar there have been i think three instances now where that gets played and i look at my hand and go now i have to cast my board wide yeah so, okay i kill everything and then the avenger of zendikar is just gone yeah so i mean it does draw out a card like that but i would you know, there are a lot of more powerful just individual creatures slash spells that i think can win you the game a lot faster than the avenger can without having that set up um all right we're at number on six six so six is gross and grip for me uh, this used to be number at eight. number eight, <laughs> so it's climbed a couple of spots. This is a card I find myself just sort of, I almost force myself to put it in decks, and I think we've talked about this before, where when you're goldfishing or deck building, it's not the kind of card that's exciting, but it's always the kind of card that when you actually have it in your hand during a game, mm-hmm. you're very happy about it, and you feel very in control. You know, I remember we were playing with Josh Kim in a game, and he had Perilous Vault out, and I had Chris and Grip in my hand, and I just knew that I was totally going to mess him up because he would not see that coming. He was just taking for granted yeah. that he could pull that perilous volt off on the end step before his turn, and I was going to be able to cross and grip on the end step between before my turn, which was going to mess up his plan so hard. And that's just the type of card it is because it has split second. So it's two and a green for an instant with split second. It says destroy target enchantment or artifact. Split second just means it basically can't be preempted. As long as the spell is on the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. So... It's very, there's a few fringe things that can interact with split second, but it's very rare. 99.9% of the time, your split second thing happens and nobody can do anything about it. Yeah, you split second there, um, what's it called there, whatever. And then when the spell is on the stack, they can't do anything in response to it. That's why it works against Perilous Fault, even if it's untapped with all the mana untapped, they can't say, oh, in response to Crossing Grip, I activate it. They can't because of split second. Yeah, very powerful card. Um, Let's move on to my number six. Which this was one, my original number six. Is this the only thing on the list that didn't change spots? I think so. I think that I don't even know about black if it was the same, but yeah, this may be the for only green, thing for, for green. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the only one on both our lists that sort of stayed where it was. Yeah, it is tooth and nail. Um, again, I was thinking of win conditions a lot when it came to the top best cards in green. And tooth and nail is five green, green for a sorcery. And it has Entwine 2 on it. So if you pay the extra 2 mana, you get to choose both modes. And the modes are search your library for up to 2 creature cards, reveal them, put them in your hand, and put up to 2 creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. The reason why I really like this card is, one, it just wins the game if it resolves a lot of times for 9 mana. Also, if you have the creatures you want already in your hand, you can just pay 7 mana to put 2 creature cards from your hand on the battlefield. I've never seen anyone do that, though. Yeah. I mean, technically you can, but always people just pay 2 more mana and go find the perfect two cards. Yeah, but the cool thing is, if you have one of the perfect cards in your hand, it doesn't. Yeah. The cards you cast off Tooth and Nail don't have to, or play off Tooth and Nail don't have to be the ones you fetch up. That's a good point. So it has a lot of flexibility there, and it is a bit of a higher mana cost. But for me, again, I've just seen. Every, I put this in all my green decks that have creatures in it, and every time I cast this card, it puts me so far ahead, or it just wins me the game that I think it deserves a high spot. It's uh, one of the most powerful cards in EDH for sure. It's sort of my argument for questions like, why is Biorhythm banned? Yeah. Because Tooth and Nail can do exactly the same thing. I'll actually worse, because you can just win the game every time you play it, 
you know, if it doesn't get countered, but that's the same with biorhythm, if you want to, because mm-hmm. you can go get Triskelion and Machaeus or any number of, you know, depending on your colors, Kiki Jiki Pestermite, if you feel like it, and win the game with Tooth and Nail. Now, not everybody does that, but that's a thing that it can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just absurdly powerful. I mean, even in comparison to like Insurrection, whereas you can't win the game every time you play Insurrection, like yeah. it's sort of dependent on what other people uh, have done and what their boards look like. Tooth and Nail, not so much. It just depends on, you know, what's in your deck um, and what you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. My number five, I was super surprised when I looked back at my old list and it wasn't on there. <laughs> I don't know what the heck. It might have been, was it too expensive at that point? I have Maybe. no idea. I think originally it was a lot more It's dropped it a lot because it got reprinted um, twice. twice. Yeah. So it's burgeoning. Burgeoning is one green whenever an opponent plays a land. Uh, ooh, sorry. Whenever an opponent plays a land, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So that it does come into effect the put a land card from your hand on the battlefield. Like if you have Oracle Maldaya, you can't use it. Yeah. And things like that. Uh, this card is very similar to Fast Bond, which is a banned card. Not the exact same because you can't be explosive as on turn one as Fast Bond, but you can on turn two generally because if you're playing with four or five other players, mm-hmm. you play Burgeoning on turn one. Each other player has to play a land. If you play three lands, you got four lands on turn two. Like it's insanity. Yeah, you Com- just have to combine it with card draw. Combined with card draw, it is when it's great. And we all know I don't build a deck unless it has a ton of card draw. Yeah. Yeah. My number five is... Oh, oh wait, wait, what was your, your original My number old five? number five was Doubling Season. Which is no longer allowed to be on the which list. Which would 100% be on our list, except for it's $65 now. So uh, in the interim... Yeah, because it used to be like 22, two years ago. And that was, if you recall, uh, the original Modern Masters had reprinted Doubling mm-hmm. Season. And so its price had sort of stabilized at you know, low 20s. And in the meantime, it hasn't been reprinted again, so it's just continuing to go up. They got to reprint though. it again soon, right? Yeah, maybe an Iconic Masters or something. Yeah. All right, my number five is Sylvan Library. Hey, we've already talked about this. This is crazy because I had it at number one on our first list. I dropped it all the way to seven. You didn't even have it on your first list, and now you've got it higher than me. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it, like what you said earlier, this is the card, a green card. If I can choose all of these I put into every single one of my green decks, it is Sylvan Library. It yeah. just gives you an effect that green does not have. It's a, it's a, It mimics Divining Top in a lot of ways. It's two mana. It's two mana. You, playing it on turn two, you just feel like you're just a god. Um, not really. But it's a good card. My original number five was Craterhoof Behemoth. So, good card, but... I guess it didn't make the list this time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Number four for me is Seedborn Muse. Ooh, great Wasn't even on my list last time. Wait, really? Well, I think here's what happened. Last time we made the list, Prophet of Crufix existed. Oh, right. And so Seedborn wasn't as... It wasn't as good as Prophet. And so it didn't seem... Even though every deck that had Prophet pretty much had Seedborn Muse in it. Yeah. um, Prophet gets banned, Seedborn... All Oof. of a sudden, way and we saw this with Vidalcan Orrery too, mm-hmm. where Prophet gets banned, and all of a sudden Vidalcan Orrery is something where I'm like, well, I really want that effect, and I can get it. Um, and you can build your own Prophet Crucifix with Vidalcan Orrery and Seedborn Muse. It's actually even better because you can cast non-creatures. Yeah. Um, so Seedborn Muse, sorry, I should say, is a three and two green for a two-four creature spirit. But it says untap all permanents you control during each other player's untap step. Each other player's, so yeah, every and it's all permanents, step. not just lands. Yeah. So in some ways, better than profit, but it doesn't give you the other clause, which is you can cast things at flash. Mm-hmm. Um, profit said creatures, uh, Vidalkin says anything, but it's so powerful to be able to sort of like we've always said that gives me a turn on everybody's turn. 
because mm-hmm. I'm untapping each time. It's 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 just filled that role where if somebody gets a Seedborn Muse out, you got to kill it or copy it. Yep. Copy it in my case. Uh, great card. What was your original numero quattro? Oh, it was great or good. Hey. So let's talk about why it, maybe it fell off my list a little bit. Uh, and I, I, well, I talked about it earlier, didn't I? Which is mm-hmm. just that I find... I find it very good, and I still play it in a few decks, but not every deck with green because some of those decks have a lot of smaller creatures, and I find it to be less good in those decks. Yeah, good point. It's still awesome. My number four is Chord of Calling. X green, green, green for an instant with Kavoke. Uh, your creatures can help cast the spell. When you tap that creature, it pays for one of the mana or one mana of, the, of that creature's color. So if you tap the green creature, you can pay for green here. You search your library for a creature card with CMC X or less, and then you put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. It's instant speed. That's you can, huge. You can tap your creatures to help you pay for it. It's another, it's another way to just like get them out of nowhere. You know, with this ability to just fetch out something, it's very powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's a tutor that puts it directly onto the battlefield, and it turns all of your, your dudes into mana dorks, basically, mm-hmm. uh, to cast it. Instant speed, which gets around a lot of things, so you can you know get something out in instant speed that you normally wouldn't be able to yep i maybe should have had that one on my list this card's very good my original number four was eternal witness also a good card can i get a witness okay our number threes though hey our number threes are the same wow congrats uh it used to be your number one and it used to be my number two so it's fallen a little bit but not much yeah for both of us it's oracle of moldiah this is the uh, Oracle with the mostest. One of the most sort of staply staple green staples. Three it's, and a green. Yeah, Creature Elf Shaman 2-2. Two, two. You can play an additional land on each of your turns, and you play with the top card of your library revealed, and you may play the top card of your library if it's a land card. Magic Man Sam actually made a comment on the original green uh, video two years ago and was like, oh, man, I agree with all your, your choices, but if you pair Oracle with Sylvan Library, then yep. you get to choose two lands to put it on top or whatever, and you can just say, essentially get a ton of value off the Oracle Moldaya. Sensei's Top, which is now much cheaper, is amazing with Oracle because you just put the lands on the top. And the thing about Oracle is it shows the top card of your library. You play it if it's land. Then you flip the top card of your library because you just played the top card. And if that's a land, you play that one too. So you didn't just draw two cards. You also ramped. Uh, The card is unbelievably good yeah cassius marsh used it to great effect in the last game nights if you watched him he just was went on a flipping rampage it was was crazy land 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 land. land. we were all like uh i will also say uh we haven't talked about any of the easter eggs on our playmat but there is an oracle of moldaya one so if you find it let us know know. yes no uh, right. My original number three was Survival of the Fittest. That has gone up in price and is no longer available under the $25 limit, although that card would 100% make my list if I had the choice. It would make my list now, too, and it's funny because it didn't before, mm-hmm. even when it could, which I don't know why. Yeah. All right, now we're on to number two. Wait, what was your number three? Oh, sorry. My old number three was Eternal Witness. Hmm. Didn't make it again. It seems like it's fallen uh, in favor. I yeah. mean, it's weird. It's weird, yeah. All right, so let's go to... Go ahead, your number two. My number two is a card that I did not think I would ever put at number two, but I've just seen it again and again keep winning games, and because it's like got a 90% win rate when you play this card, <laughs> I think it's one of the best green cards. It is Crater Hoof Behemoth. It used to be number five. No, I think it's way better than that. Five green, 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 haste, uh, five, five. When it enters the battlefield, the creatures you control gain trample and plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. This has to be the so single card in green that has, as far as green, yeah, that has won the most games of Commander, right? Yeah, I've never seen a single card win as many games as Creator of Behemoth. Uh, Maybe it, in other colors, but for green, 
Here's the thing, even if you can't kill everyone, there's like a such a good chance you just knock one person out and you don't even need to swing your whole board at them to do it either. You usually knock out the person who's in the first place and usually the person who's in second place. And yeah. then the, maybe the third person lives, but they were the person at the bottom of the totem pole anyway. Yeah. So you're almost certainly ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, it's like they get trampled. It's an eight mana play. At that point, people are going to start to be on lower life totals in the 20s, maybe in the 10s even. Crater Hoof is just going to murder people. I mean, if it's not, you just don't play it. Yeah. So that's sort of the other thing is you don't see Crater Hoof come out and it's just like, eh, it's a 5-5 five, five Or you play here. Court of Calling to get it or Green yeah. Sun Zenith to get it. There's so many different ways. Or Tooth and Nail. Like Crater Hoof is just, it just wins games and I think it deserves a very high spot as a result. I think in Game Night 6, I did use Green Sun Zenith to put it out, right? Yeah. In Hapatra. And, and you murdered basically, me. Basically, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Basically won. Yeah, that card's very, very good. It's funny because it used to be on my list at number 6 and now it's gone. Yeah. I didn't put it on my list. Um, I do like it, but I feel that it's a little bit narrow. There's plenty of decks where I, I, it's I just didn't don't put it in. Of course, my, my green spells deck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I play well. I, I think actually that's sort of particular about how I play, which is that I have a lot of green in decks, but a lot of times it's like the third Not or the, fourth color. Yeah, you know, yeah. five color Nekusar, five color Marchesa, the Vile Smasher deck. Those all don't want. They all have green available to them, but they don't want Crater. You're using green to do this. This is a. So this is sort of the highest jumper on my list, right? It was not even on my list last time, and now it's at the number two slot. And it's sort of a classification of card. Um, I would call it Cultivate, but it could be Kodama's Reach. It could even be Rampant Growth or Farseek or Nature's Lore. It is sort of the green cards that go find a land. They're sort of land tutors. Go find a land and put it directly into play tapped. Um, Cultivate is sort of, the, I'd say, the flagship one. Mm -hmm. It's two and a green. You go to your deck, you find two basic lands. You put one on the battlefield and one into your hand. Rampant Growth is the two-mana version, which you only go find one basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped. There's a number of cards. You talked about earlier on your list uh, last time was Sky Shard Claim and Explosive mm -hmm. Vegetation. And they do them in slightly different manners. Like Some come into play untapped. Some have to be forced, blah, blah, blah. But they go get their four-mana, and they go get two lands into play. I think I underrated them before, clearly, um, how good they are. But also because our playgroup, especially at that time, I think was sort of less averse to um, sort of land destruction. There was some Armageddons running around in our playgroup at that time. There, We hadn't, I think, at that time played as wide of a group as we do now mm -hmm. like we were pretty new to the podcast it was only episode 44 we hadn't been out in the world playing at gp vegas's and a bunch of different gps and i hadn't seen as much stuff out there and i didn't realize what a loophole in the system these cards are mm -hmm. because people are just averse to destroying your lands they just are your lands are just safe 90 percent of the time so if you can land ramp it's way better than signets and mana rocks and things like that and you can fix your colors. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a great part, too. It's, it's yeah. fixing and ramp. I mean, yeah. yeah. Your original number two was the Oracle of Moldaya. My number two was the Doubling Season, which is now on. Although you did gone. say Doubling Season slash Parallel Lives. Yeah. You could have put Parallel Lives on. It's not as good. No. It and doesn't it, bust Planeswalkers. It doesn't create winning scenarios, you know? And that's sort of what I really created here is, is winning cards that either accrue you mad value or just can win you the game. It doesn't even work with, like, uh, plus one, plus one counters. Doubling Season goes in a track that Parallel Lives does not. Yeah. Yeah. All right, time to hit number one. Numero uno. Uh, to give you a recap, my original number one was the Oracle of Moldaya. And mine was Sylvan Library. 
Um, my new number one did not appear on my original list. It appeared on yours, though, and it is Seedborn Muse. It didn't appear on my original list. It appeared on my Your new, new list. list. Yeah. yeah. I, so this went from zero to hero. For zero you. to hero. This was not on the list, and now it's number one for you. Yeah, I think in terms of being able to accrue the most value, Seaborn has just the ability to turn your entire game around in one turn cycle if it doesn't get removed. Uh, it doesn't win you the game on the spot, but I think in a developing board state, and I think this works better than Crater Hoof in a lot of situations where it's like Crater Hoof, you can only play at the end of the game or cheat it out earlier and hopefully be able to swing for lethal. Seaborn, if you get it down early and have the right deck to build around it with ramp, already out tons of lands flash speed anything you are just 100 set up especially if you go orrery into seaborn muse because then you can just dump your hand out especially the way you did that was you sort of snuck out seedborn at a time when it's you're going to get a free on tap no matter what and they're not yeah. ready for it yeah i love that i like what you said about comparing it to crater hoof behemoth right which is that seedborn doesn't win you the game well yeah it does but it doesn't do it in the way crater hoof does where mm-hmm. it's like obvious and all at once an explosion of damage seedborn muses you put it down you accumulate value over a couple of terms and that actually does win you the game but it's not it doesn't stand out so much and seedborn does it in a way where you play it earlier so crater hoof can only work later in the game because mm-hmm. you can't even play it earlier unless you have a lot of creatures whereas seedborn you can play it for value in the middle of the game yeah and it's suitable you can grab it back from your graveyard because there's a tons of cards in green that like to do that speaking of which speaking of which my number one scoop your lead <laughs> i sort of went to this card because i literally played in every deck that has green mm-hmm. so all those decks i talked about where they wouldn't play crater hoof like file smasher five color nexusar marchesa those types of decks, they play this card. In, and it goes in all the decks that are like Mono Green or Hapatra that would have Crater Hoof. Um, it's Eternal Witness. So it's a 2-1 for one green green, and it regrowths something from your graveyard. So you play it, and when it enters the battlefield, you get to take something from your graveyard and put it into your hand. Very, very strong, very powerful. Of course, you can flicker it, you can recur it, so you can reuse it. But also, we're in a format that's singleton, and just being able to play the same card twice oftentimes sort of breaks the format in a weird way. Um, pretty so, good yeah just based on like pure how often do i put this card in my deck i sort of felt like eternal witness like had to be number one for me Sweet. all right let's let's talk about really quickly just an overview looking at the lists do you think there's an overall change to your philosophy that could be spotted from you know the way the list is different now yeah uh you know just in the way you rank cards or what cards fell off like i'm, I'm trying to look at the big picture of the differences between the lists and just sort of say like you know what does that say about us in the last two years and how maybe our mine falls a lot more in the good stuff territory uh now than it did now than it did yeah it's less I think, specific yeah it's it's less like i mean the avenger of zendikar going off it i think is the biggest sign of where i'm going here which is like i want cards that win the game or are going to be super valuable in the long run like birthing pod or green sun zenith which wasn't even on my original list but i put it on because it just has so many nifty interactions and is able to be a flexible card mm-hmm. whereas avenger is much more narrow um and i don't know i I liked cards here that one just win games that for me and greater good i put on because i realized that card draw is also very important and something that green as a mono color doesn't have as much access to yeah it feels like your list now is a little more value oriented than it was yeah before um i think mine kind of trends that same way Mm -hmm. uh in fact i took crater hook behemoth off my list i took genesis wave off my list i sort of took best case scenario stuff off my list in favor of answers card draw and things that are more generally useful so yeah yeah interesting interesting all right let's move on to black this episode came out episode 58 on june 25th 2015 
We were still doing two episodes a week. I don't know why we're doing two episodes a week. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but specifically, when we made the list, we outlawed Demonic Tutor and basically all of the pure tutors, like Vampiric Tutor, all that stuff, just because obviously they're great and they would make the, it would just make a for Demonic a boring... Tutor is obviously number one, and you know what? It still is. Yeah, it just would make for a boring top three. Yeah. So uh, we took those off. Uh, Vampiric at the time was probably above twenty four twenty five dollars. I yeah, think it's yeah. below now, but we still disallowed it. So old lists. Very quickly, mine was number 10, Shieldred. Number 9, Kokusho. Number 8, Cryptgast. Number 7, Decree of Pain. Number 6, Soren Markov, which is the Soren that can set an opponent or a player's life total to 10. Uh, number 5, Living Death. Number 4, Victimize. Number 3, Grave Pact slash Dictate of Erebos. Number 2, Necropotence. And number 1, Toxic Deluge. My number 10 was Living Death. My number 9 was Reanimate. My number eight, Black Sun Zenith. Number seven, Liliana Vess. Number six, Phyrexian Arena. Number five, Yogmoth's Will. Number four was Shieldred. Number three was Necropotence. And number two was Grave Pack slash Dictator Verbos. And we had the same number one of Toxic Deluge. In fact, we had the same top three, although we flip flop on our number two and three. Yeah. All right. So the new lists, let's go through this. My number 10 is Leyline of the Void. So Leyline of the Void is two and two black, but it has the uh, same sort of writer text that all the Leylines have, which is if it uh, is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. Pretty cool. It's an enchantment, and it says if a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Oof. So this is a sort of theme that philosophically I'll touch on it now. I think I'm sort of moving towards more, which is just more graveyard hate mm-hmm. in general. Um, Protean Hulk's back. We've got things like Brea, which are playing around a lot with graveyards. And I think our meta and our playgroup have moved a lot more towards graveyard-based stuff. You know, there's an Alesha Dex, there's Marin Dex. Marin, again, the most popular uh, commander from the commander, what is that, 2015 product? Yeah. Which was very graveyard synergy-based. So that's just something I, I found that I need more of. And Leyline of the Void is so good when you have it in your opening hand. It just turns off those decks. And yeah, they can remove it. But a lot of those decks are combo decks. Mm-hmm. So if they have to pause and remove that enchantment, they're comboing off later than they would and giving you a chance. Yeah. Leyline's a great card, especially if you have an opening hand. It also just... It, I've never heard more groans when the Leyline or a you know an Anafenza-type card comes on the battlefield and people realize that all of a sudden the shenanigans ain't gonna happen. Sorry. Stop sign. Uh, my old number 10 was Shieldred, uh, which I don't know what happened to Shieldred. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shieldred. Oh, whatever. Okay, card. Uh, my number 10 uh, moved uh, my number 8 from my previous list up to number 10. Now it's Black Sun Zenith, uh, which is a great board wipe, X black black sorcery. Put X minus 1 minus 1 counters on each creature. Shuffle Black Sun Zenith into its owner's library. So I have two number 10s that are both Zeniths uh, for black and green. Yeah, oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Black Sun Zenith, though, I every single time I draw this card... I find that it is going to be better than I thought it was because there's some indestructible thing on the board. There's some thing that's just huge or whatever, or there's something that can't die unless you get it below a zero zero. And almost always I've found that like, this is just an ace in the hole against a lot of different board wipes. Uh, because a lot of times the board wipes just aren't going to work the way you want them to. And Lex and Zenith is almost a surefire way to kill everything on the board as long as you have the mana for it. One thing I like about it, too, is if if you can't kill everything, it's still pretty good because it'll bring things down yeah. to a smaller size, which is a lot of times like, hey, listen, they got a 10-10, I kill everything, and that 10-10 is now a 2-2. Depending on what the creature is, it's not so bad. Yeah, we saw how that worked with her, your Harpatra deck just disabling Samut every single time, which was great. So yeah, very flexible. Um, you can also set it up in a way that kills only your opponent's things and less of your things because you can pay X for it. 
And the minus one, minus one counters are, it, you're just neutering cards otherwise. All right, my number nine is Gary, Gray Merchant of Asphodel. Gary is three and two black for a two-four creature zombie. When Gray Merchant of Asphodel enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black, and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Devotion means the number of black symbols on all the permanents that you control. You gain life equal to the amount lost this way. They're sort of turning away from that wording because it's so powerful in Commander. So they'll start yeah. to say, like, each each opponent loses one life and you gain one life instead of you gain that amount of life. Well, so yeah. Grey Merchant can come down. Let's say you have seven pips. It also counts itself. So it, ha- it always does two. You're going to drain everybody for seven, if that's three other players, and gain 21. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I didn't really realize this, but... Kokusho was my old number nine. Yeah. And so Gary's, I've just found to be a better version of Kokusho, where Kokusho does five every time. But it has to die to do it. Gary enters the battlefield and usually almost always does more than five. We've, I don't know how many times we've seen Gary come down and just actually win, kill everybody, do 20, or in some sort of recursion package, come in, do it, sack it, play it, do it, sack it, play it, done. Yeah. That kind of thing. Parry with like a reanimate. You don't even care about the life loss. Yeah. It's, and Black has tons of cards to bring uh, creatures back from the graveyard. So. And Black has lots of cards that are like, they cost Black, 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 or Black, 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 Black. And all of a sudden, like, you got 10 pips out, yeah. and Gary's just draining everybody. You're gaining 50. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, um, what was, yeah, your old number nine was Kakusho. Yeah. My number nine. I almost put this on my list. I really wanted to. Yeah, I really wanted to. Because it's going in a ton of decks. And I did. It's like Westvale it. Abbey. It's all in one package. It's a utility land that doesn't have black on the front, but it also kind of gets around a little bit of the color identity things in Commander because on the front, you can tap it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool, or you can pay five mana to tap it, pay one life, put a 1-1 white and black human cleric creature token onto the battlefield. Because it doesn't have the color symbols and it says white and black, you can still play it in your black deck because you can also pay five to tap it, sacrifice five creatures, transform Westvale Abbey, then untap it. And it becomes Ormondal, Profane Prince, a 9-7 flying lifelink, indestructible haste demon. Woof. <laughs> and it can just and, and and swing. Ormondal is black, which is why the card is a black card. It can't mm-hmm. go in any color deck. I know a lot of people think that it can because Westvale Abbey is colorless makes colorless. Front, yeah. But it's like... Um, uh, Withingar, mm-hmm. who's uh, an equipment Unbound. on one side and a, a black, black demon on, so it's a black card. Uh, yeah, this card is great for me because you, one, black has a lot of creatures it wants to sacrifice, like Kakusho or Gary or whatever, and also it can just make the creatures for you for five mana and one life. And so it's a card that's great in the beginning, great late, and really great because sometimes I found that like, oh, you are within Ormondal d- damage right now. I can just hit you for nine in the air, and I'm gonna gain nine which is huge, especially in the later game. This card is indestructible, so it's also not going anywhere for the most part. I just found that Ormondal is just such a beater if you need Ormondal out. And having that option and being able to do it at any time at instant speed as long as you have five open mana is pretty powerful. I mean, you need the creatures, but yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's one of those things where it costs you so little to have access to a 9-7 yeah. flying <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't cost you much in deck building. It's a landslide. Yeah, and, and so... Like, would you pay like literal, you know, 0.1% you know, difference in your land base to have access to a 9-7 lifelink flying indestructible demon? Yes, yes, you would. Yeah, you would. (laughs) Yeah, that card. And the fact that it can pump out chump blockers is huge too in terms of getting you to the later game. That's a really good point because at some point you can be like, oh, there's a huge creature crashing in at me. I can just 
create a one one and put put it in the way for now yeah. until I figure out something else. Yeah. My number nine originally was reanimate, which was not not as good to me this time around. I feel like on my original list, and maybe this is for you, and I feel like reanimate would fall into this category. Mm-hmm. I was very much worried about representing everything that color was in the color pie. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's black, so I need something that brings things back from the dead, and it's blah, 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 and I needed to fill in those. And then this time when I made my list, I didn't worry about that. I was just like, listen, what are the top 10 cards? Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking right. of top 10, what was your top eight? Number eight. Number eight was on my list before. It is Crypt Gast. In fact... Oh, it was number eight before, It too. was number eight before. So evidently... I had Cryptgast rated correctly. <laughs> Cryptgast, three and a black, has extort. Let's not worry about that. Whenever you tap <laughs> a swamp for mana, you add black to your mana pool. It's a 2-2. Two, two. So it uh, just makes all your swamps tap for black in addition to whatever you tap them for. And I say that because if you have, you know, uh, Underground Sea or a Shockland that produces, like, red and black, it's still a swamp tapping for mana. And once, mm-hmm. even if you tapped it for the red part, it'll still add the black. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's good. You can play extort. It's reminder text. You can play it in mono black. Yeah, because it's in the parentheses and in italics. And before, you please, can play it in before black. you type in the comments, I know you're typing right now. Just that, look that you can't. Just Google it because I don't want to. I don't want to explain it again. Just Google. Can you? You we know, get about two comments a week on the uh, game that's where I played it. Yeah. It's like, can you really play this? You Wait, can, how? Does I'm not this... saying we're always right. I'm just saying this time we are, <laughs> and does... we're very sure about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. My number eight was uh, Grave Titan. And my original number eight was Black Sun Zenith. But Grave Titan is a card that I really wanted to put on my original list, but I didn't because I was like, ah, it's a little narrow or whatever. No, this card's sweet. This sweet. card's awesome. Four black, black creature, giant, 6-6 six, six death touch. Whenever a Grave Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, like the other Titans, create two 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. So he creates 10 power for six mana when he first comes in. Uh, it's amazing sack fodder. It's also just incredible blocker slash attacker. I mean, if you ever attack with it, You've now got two more zombies. Like, yeah, they're not tapped. And you just get four more. Yeah, it's just like you can build your board up super fast with this with Grave Titan. It's usually you have one player that you can attack with it. Um, if not with Black, there's so many different ways to recur this out of your graveyard to play it a bunch of times. Grave Titan just has so much value for a single creature. I thought it actually deserved a spot on my list. Also, zombies as a tribe recently in uh, oh, Amonkhet yeah. got a pretty big bump. So yeah, uh, zombie lords. Yeah, Grave Titan looking pretty good. Yep. All right, number seven for me, is Decree of Pain. Holy crap. This was my number seven last time, too. Wow. So I lined up my eight and my seven. Decree of Pain is a board wipe um, in black. It destroys all creatures, and then you draw a card for each creature uh, destroyed this way. They also can't be regenerated. Um, But it has psych... Oh, sorry. It's six black, black. Destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated. Draw a card for each creature destroyed this way. But it has cycling for three black, black, and when you cycle Decree of Pain, you give uh, all creatures negative two, negative two until end of turn. So it's sort of a mini board wipe, but you draw a card to replace it. And because it's cycling, you can do that part of it at instant speed. Yeah, that's actually great. It's super flexible. You can sometimes just get people's boards. You can kill their Oracle of Moldias, keep your board alive. And really the, powerful. When you blow it for the for the big cost, the overload cost, if it, if you were, <laughs> um, you dr- you can often draw seven eight cards off of this thing. That's yeah. insane. Uh, it makes it hurt way less that you're blowing up your own stuff too. Not that Black normally cares about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I usually have two board wipes. Uh, spoiler alert: this is one of them, and I won't say what the other one is, but y- you know it. Yeah, <laughs> my number seven uh, is Living Death. One of my two board wipes. 
Three black black for a sorcery. Each player exiles all creature cards from his or a graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures you control, then you put all the cards you exile this way onto the battlefield. So you're essentially replacing all the creatures in everyone's graveyards with all the creatures on the battlefield. Uh, combine this with a card like Leyline of the Void or other graveyard-hitting strategies, and this can just be one of those big, like, all right, I'm going to win the game now. Um, it's it's way cheap, five mana. It's not Rise of the Dark Realm status, um, but I think it's very powerful, especially... I mean, you do have to build a little bit around it, but I think the power level is there. And black can build around it. It used to be your number 10, so it's moved up for you, and your old number 7 was Liliana Vess, who's yeah. not on your list anymore. No. Nope. Do you want to talk to why Living Death's maybe better now I've, than you thought it was yeah well for one liliana is worse because i think that tutoring a card to the top of your library just really isn't that good if you can't pair it with for that uh, amount of mana. for that amount of mana and you have to wait a whole turn to use it i've got really screwed doing this the other game because i had to set up plans and know that i wasn't going to hit a land drop because i was tutoring stuff to the top of my library someone blew up a mana rock and all of a sudden you're really in a bad position so it can punish you very hard for what you tutor because you can't change your mind mm -hmm. and for me living death i've just found is one of those cards that if you build it into your deck and you want to use it the right way, it just helps you, again, accrue a ton of value compared to what other people are doing. You can even play a game where you're tossing stuff into your graveyard and having everyone else build out their board without stuff dying, and then when you board wipe, all of a sudden they have nothing, and you've got all this stuff that you put out. It's just something that Black likes to do. Yeah, it's pretty good. I used to have it on my list, and it fell off. Um, Too bad. All right, number seven, no. Six. Six is Shieldred. The Whispering One. The Whispering One. Oh, she was here. Um, spoiler alert, it's your number five, so we'll just go ahead and talk about it all at once in this discussion. It used to be my number 10, and it used to be your number four. So it's gone up quite a bit for me and fallen just a teeny bit for you, but we still both have it as an extremely good black card. Yeah. Um, Shieldred, oh, I guess we should read it. Five black, black. Six, six. Swamp Walk, it's a Praetor. The beginning of your upkeep, you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oof. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. So it's like, it's crazy, right? They're losing a creature, you're gaining one. Yeah, three creatures if it's a four-player game. Yeah, it's, this is just, this is just a very powerful card. If it, it survives like two rotations at the table, you basically can't lose, I guess, unless you're playing against a token deck. And here's the thing, it's black, so you can get Shieldred back. Yep. And I've also seen Shieldred kill people because of Swamp Walk, so that's not entirely irrelevant. The card is just very... It's very good. The, the, I usually have to find a reason in a deck that has a lot of black to not play it. Yeah. Your original number six was Soren Markov, and he's no longer on your list. Actually, we took off both the Planeswalkers on our list, if you noticed. I think uh, Planeswalkers in general... Again, this was earlier on in our career, and I think I found Planeswalkers to just be not as good in Commander. They just so often die for nothing. Yeah. You play it, yeah, you set somebody's life total down to 10. Now they're going to kamikaze you and try and kill you the rest of the game. And everybody else is just like, I got to kill that Soren. And they do because it's three against one and they can always get an attack in almost. Like, yeah. Yeah. Money for nothing. All right, Bojukabog is my number six. I'm jealous of this one. It's a land. So again, it's not hard to put into your decks. It enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, exile all cards from target player's graveyard. And then later on, you can tap it for black mana. So... By rights, I should have this on my list because in like every deck that has black, I didn't even think of it, Jimmy. Because it, it's a land. When I saw it on your list, I was like, I'm stupid. That I have means two lands on my list. On my list. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I did think of like Cabal Coffers and I decided against it. Yeah, me too. Um, but well, for what it's worth, I didn't put Eternal Witness on my green list and some people might yell at me for that. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the Wajuka Bog because it's literally probably my most played black card. <laughs> 
probably. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, the card's so powerful. It just I, I've seen it destroy. I've seen it make you almost cry, Josh. When, oh when you're yeah, my Marchesa. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah. yeah. So, Bajukabog, obviously a very powerful card. Uh, we were just talking about graveyard hate and how it's become more important than ever. Yeah, and you combine this with your living deaths, with your just a lot of different things, and you've got a very powerful interaction. And you can play it at any time. You can do it early. You can do it late. Now, if you're obviously holding it in your... I would almost add this as an extra land in your deck and not count it as real land because it comes into play tapped, and it's a silver bullet against decks later on. That It's not something you just want to run out and turn one. But you usually know, right? Because you look at the table, and True. you're like, well, it's True. an Narset deck and a blah, 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 and I don't need it this game as a graveyard removal, you know? So, yeah. graveyard hate. So, But, oh, I'm playing against Carador this game. I'm going to hold on to that Bajugabog for a little bit. Yeah, totally. Uh, your old number six was Phyrexian Arena. What happened to that card? That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's so that's bizarre. Weird. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Why gone now, I guess, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're on to us now, I think. <laughs> so your number five is with a shieldred. My number five is a new card. Um, you know, not a lot of new black cards on our on our list. Uh, no. they, they've sort of shifted. You have Westvale Abbey, mm -hmm. which I think is a newish one since. Um, and mine is Curtain's Call. So five and a black for an instant. It has Undaunted, which means this spell costs one colorless, sorry, one generic less to cast for each opponent. So it's five black to cast, but if there's three other opponents, four-player game, then it's two and a black. And then it says, destroy two target creatures. So I've just, I just started putting this card in like all the decks because destroying two creatures at instant speed is just always good. For cheap, and it's also a lot of black cards are like destroy target non-black creature, destroy yes. target X. Yes. This that's very specific, and Curtain's Call has no restrictions in that regard, which is pretty good. Yep. Yeah, and you use it to great effect. So I've I've seen it uh, destroy and just get in there. There's Instant also things like Vile Smasher that care about the CMC of the spell, even though you don't pay yeah. that much because of Undaunted. So uh, yeah, I've just been really impressed with that card. Unfortunately, the word kind of got out because our good buddy Jason Alt, the Ryan Seacrest of Magic, uh, <laughs> put the word out about how good it was, and then everybody bought it. And the price is—it's not twenty-five dollars. Don't get me wrong; no, it's like no. you know four or five bucks or something. But yeah. your previous five was Living Death, and mine was Yogmoth's Will. Uh, I thought about Yogmoths. I did too, and something, and I don't know. I just for some reason it's not on my list anymore. Living Death fell here. off mine because you have to set it up a lot. Now, when you do, it's amazing. Yeah. So at its best, it's really good. But at its average case, just I'd rather have a regular board wipe. My number five is Shieldred. We just yep. talked about that. And let's move on to number four. Go ahead. And it's cards we've talked about. My number four was Crypt Ghast. So you had this a little lower down. I had this actually, I think I don't even think I had it on my original list. Yeah, this went from zero to number four. Zero for, to hero four. Zero to hero. <laughs> yeah, it is a four CMC spell. Again, like the, the doubling of mana for swamps is huge. It's one-sided. It's not like a cage stun effect. Um, the extort is also very, very relevant, I think, later on because you have a lot of extra mana to use. So playing spells and paying that extra black to extort, easy peasy. Um, I don't know. For me, and this is focused more again of like if you're playing black as a color, as your primary color, I think Crypt Gas is just one of the best cards that you can buy for a deck that is also relatively inexpensive compared to like I think their Con of Revenant costs more and there are a lot of effects that do this. Yeah. So this is just a great way to double your mana for four mana. I don't think there are many other cards that double a single color land like that for four mana. I think um, I had it rated just a little bit lower because I tend to play more colors. And yeah. when, once you're three color, uh, Crypt Gas gets a lot worse. Yeah. But when you're 
mono or two color it's amazing yeah and especially if you're mono black the cards these are the cards that make mono black decks really powerful are the mana doublers so our number four my number four is the same as your number three. Oh, did we talk about what your old number um my old number four was shieldred and yours was victimize oh so shieldred fell one slot yeah and victimize i don't know what i was thinking that card's not even top 10 good and it wasn't <laughs> two years ago either it does the black thing though that you i wanted think to that's what i was there. doing was yeah. i was like i want to reanimate spell so i'll force one in there but why do i have to put it at four i could have put it at nine who knows i was dumb um so my number four and your number three are the same weird strangely i did not have this on my old list uh you did i did yeah although it's climbed for you it's climbed a lot it's probably climbed for the same reason because i just realized it's in every single one of my black decks. and it's so good it's so underrated sometimes i feel like because like oh it's the beginning of year okay what is it it's phyrexian arena right this is one black black for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you draw a card and lose one life so simple so good so it's clean. cheap it's sort of the sylvan library for black if you think about it that way <laughs> I mean, the fact is, is like we saw Vinny play this in our Game Nights episode. It just, even though it's your upkeep and you're losing one life, it still is drawing two cards every turn. And in black, it is an effect that you're happy to have in your deck. It's, the accumulated value just sneaks up on you, and before you know it... It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And enchantment hate in general is one, the least likely to be found at a table. People aren't going to be going after Phyrexian Arena if someone's got doubling season in their deck. They got to get know. rid of the aura shards and the ghostly prisons, and then they're like, listen, one card per turn. It's just not that scary. It's not priority. Actually, every time... That's true. Every time someone does play Phyrexian Arena, I almost in my head go, good for you. That thing's awesome. I I'm wish not, I had I'm one of those. I'm not going to get rid of but that. But it's not like, oh, crap. Yeah. 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 So it has this hidden sneaky value. Uh, and it climbed all the way to three for me because I realized that I would I played this in every black deck without even pause. I'm putting it in every black deck. Yeah, that was for me the single biggest climber in black in that it, I didn't have it on my list and it went to number four. Yeah, and my original number three was Necropotence, uh, which is, uh, it's not on my list anymore. We're about to talk about it though. Yeah, uh, so down oh, to number wait. three for you though. Oh yeah, sorry, number three for me Um is the same as your number two. So we, again, can talk about these at the same point. Uh, and my top three did not change. Wow. So that's interesting. Again, we didn't look at the list, so I didn't actually remember specifically what my top ten list was uh-huh. before. Um, but yeah, it just stayed the same. So it's Grave Pact slash Dictate of Erebos. That's my number three, Jimmy's number two. These both do basically the same thing. Um, Grave Pact is one black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each other player sacrifices a creature and the dictate costs uh three black black has flash and does the same thing yeah. when you're one of your creatures dies, dies everybody else place. has to sacrifice a creature so yeah that's it's why we so sort good. of put them in the same category yeah these are these cards just lock out certain decks like voltron decks mm-hmm. voltron decks like a grave pack hits the battlefield and they just sort of sit back and go like well that's it <laughs> Yeah. I can never keep my creature on the board. I mean, unless you, unless I got Sigarda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is just like, oh, GG. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and here's the thing. You are in black. If you're playing the Westvale Abbey, you sack five creatures. It's just a board wipe. It's everybody just else up. sacks five creatures. Or even like the um, the Shadowborn Apostles deck. It's yeah. so good because you get it out, then you sack all your Shadowborn Apostles. Everybody sacks six creatures. You find a demon. Yeah, the fact that it's, again, each opponent, the words that we look for when we're looking and evaluating EDH cards it's very powerful if it was target opponent it might not even make the list yeah yeah um all right so that was your number two my number two which was your old number three but is no longer on your list which i'm shocked is uh necropotence so necropotence is green 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 for an enchantment (laughs) green 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 black 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 (laughs) i'm looking down at the paper it says green and so i just say that out loud um 
Where's it say green? I was like, my eyes caught it. It's over here. <laughs> All right, black, black, black. You know why? It's because you got a... Oh, yeah, I didn't throw it. I can't throw this one because I need to compare the list. So I can't. I have two pieces of paper, <laughs> and I can't throw one yet, and it's pissed me off. All right. Necropotence. Black, black, black. Enchantment. Skip your draw step. Front row. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. Pay one life, colon. Exile the top card of your library face down. Put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. So... Pay one life, draw a card. Basically, it does it in a weird way where you exile it and then put it into your hand. So you're not actually drawing the cards. Yeah. So you won't take damage from the, the, the Nekusar type stuff. Um, yes, you skip your draw step. But this can gristle brand. Yeah, it's true. This can just draw you 30 cards if you want. This for... is a win condition in a lot of decks, and it's just so much value. And you'll notice things like Phyrexian Arena draw the card during your upkeep. You don't skip your upkeep, so you can still mm, get yeah. cards through effects like that. Um, I don't know. You know me and card draw. Yeah, and this is just, I mean, you draw, 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 draw. Like, you just just draw as much as you freaking feel like. I don't really know why this made it off my list. Maybe it's just because I have not seen it played in the past year and a half. Yeah, because it, it's specific decks because it's black, black, black. Yeah, and, like, I see Crater have played all the time. So, for me, like, my personal bias against Necro- Necropotence is maybe I just need to lose to it more to understand how incredibly good it is. But Again, it's not the type of card that strikes in your mind as the reason you lost to. Yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of decks, it is impossible to play as black, 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 unless you are two-color or even three-color focused on black. But so, it's hard for me to think of a more powerful effect than pay a life draw card. True. That's a good point. I mean... Like I said, Gristlebrand, it's banned. Uh, I, again, it's a 7-7 Flying Life. Yeah. So th- there's other things going on there. All right. What uh, was your original number two? Oh, it was Necropotence. Yeah. My top three has not changed. My we top tell two didn't you, change either, yeah. Yeah, we should tell you what our number one is, and it didn't change for either of us, and for good reason. And the good news is it got reprinted. Yeah. So it's quite a bit cheaper than it was. And the best news is it's still the best board wipe in the game, I think. Yeah, I think it is. I thought about it. Did you see me thinking about yeah, it? Yeah, I was thinking about it too. I was like, is there anything else? I think it is. Somebody's going to yell at us, but I think Toxic Deluge is the best board wipe in the game. Spoiler alert, our number ones are Toxic still Deluge. Toxic Deluge. Yep, it was a card printed for Commander originally, reprinted in Eternal Masters. Two in the Black Sorcery as an additional cost to cast Toxic Deluge, play X Life, not play, pay X Life, and all creatures get minus X, minus X until end of turn. So again, this does what Black Sun Zenith does. It gets around Indestructible, gets around a ton of different things but you can pay three mana and kill pretty much every Eldrazi as long as you have the life to do it. And it's Commander, so you do have the life most of the time. Uh, It gets under the Gaddic Teague type stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so many things that would sort of protect you from board wipes don't protect you from negative X, negative X. Yep. I would say that when I demonic tutor in games, 50% of the time or more, Toxic Deluge is the card I find. That's a really good point. that or Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really good point. Like... If you're like Cyclonic Rift, which is probably the single best card in the format uh, outside of Soul Ring, mm-hmm. maybe top, um, then you're an amazing card. And I think you're right. Like, I tutor for Toxic Deluge all the time. All the time. Because you look at the board and you're like, what can get rid of all of this? I have one card that I know can just kill everything. And because it's three mana, I can tutor and play it in the same turn, where yeah. it's much harder to do that with something like Decree of Pain or a normal board wipe that costs four to five mana. Yeah. Um, yeah, this card, I, I think every single deck, I would literally, I didn't check every single deck and sort of mark and make sure of I this. I even put it in my decks that don't have black. You know? <laughs> but I literally think every deck I have that has black has this card. Like, I think that's, I'm 90% sure that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because I would have to have a really compelling reason not to have Toxic Deluge if my deck has black because I need four, five board wipes or mm-hmm. so, like we always say, 
and it's pretty much the best one besides Rift. Yeah. All right, well... Let's talk about our... We only had four new on each of the our lists. Our top three stayed relatively the same, whereas there was a ton of change on the green cards. I think this is due to a couple of factors. One is the price change on certain cards in green sort of necessitated yeah. it, right? Like, so, Pops so, too off. You yeah. can't have doubling season or greater... Or not greater good, or um, food chain. Right, so that kind of kicked off a couple. Green just had some cards that really fluctuated. Green is sort of more played, I think, overall, even though mono black mm-hmm. is the single most played uh mono colored but green across all the colors is probably the most played yeah. color um and just we've had some new cards come into green and sort of shake it up whereas that didn't happen as much with black in fact on our list w- only two cards westvale abbey and curtains call are from the last two years mm-hmm. everything else is older than that um and i think yeah we probably did tend towards again sort of we got more risk averse Right. In the last two years, we sort of less we, we're we're trending towards less swingy cards. We're trending trending towards cards that we know what it's going to do, rather than if if if. Yeah, I would say the biggest if I have is like living death on my on my table. Yeah, which is still most of the time you know it's going to board wipe and yeah, you know it's going to change the board in a way that's favorable. For and you. maybe crater hoof is the also biggest if on my green green list, but. It's not a very big if. That's just like half creatures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it's just like, I like cards that do win the game now because I think I'm just sick and tired of, of like, oh, this card is just great value that's going to maybe get you there. It's like, it's not Seaborn Muse. It's not, you know, it's not something that can really push you ahead. And my list yeah, got a little more like that. And it, I started to value card draw a lot more because I put Greater Good on my green list. Oh, and that's I put, true. Put Frexian Arena very high on this list. Yeah, that's true. You definitely bumped card draw. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. You know where you can go pick up things like Greater Good? I have an answer. Toxic Deluge. Oh. Uh, Life Crafters Bestiary. Oh I would my suggest goodness. people pick up that card. Uh, I would suggest that too. And if you're foil collectors, now is the time to pick up that kind of card because it's going to be at its lowest because it's not seeing any standard play, but it will see a lot of EDH play eventually. I'll also say uh, Anointed Procession. It's white and we didn't talk about it today, but probably get the foil ones of that too because that's going to be crazy expensive yeah. later. Well, make sure you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to pick up those singles, foil or not. And uh, you support the show by using the affiliate link command zone at the end of cardkingdom.com slash and you can just get the cards in an expedient manner. You may have it before your next play play date. Play date. Before your next play date. Before your next play date with the kids. <laughs> Bring juice. While you're ordering that stuff, you should pick up some Ultra Pro product like the Eclipse sleeves. Like I've said, I'm in the process of, of resleeving all my decks, which, by the way, takes a while, I've learned. I've, yeah. I've resleeved uh, two because I have to actually set aside time it's to like tedious. unsleeve and then resleeve. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do this one, and then I'm going to do that one. And pretty much for that to happen, I have to have scheduled a like a commander <laughs> night where i'm like i'm gonna play this deck oh i better resleeve it but those sleeves are amazing we've been hearing far and wide from people who are just talking about how good they are yeah. um i've done the stress test they they lived through six pre-releases where i shuffled those cards hundreds upon maybe even thousands of times it's awesome ultra pro man killing it check out yeah. the eclipse sleeves not just that things like the sriracha sleeves they make the best play mats they have yes. really cool deck boxes the satin towers are my personal favorite of theirs mm-hmm. i would check those out yeah uh, and not to mention i use the satin towers for all of my different i play a couple of different card games and i use them for a bunch of them it, they work great across a bunch of things it's that's why i like it a lot is that it's, they're flexible i it's keep not my just like, magic i keep my draft kit sort of in a satin tower because i can keep the dice underneath like that and then i just keep i have the lands already sleeved and then i have some loose sleeves for the draft and they're just in the satin tower and it just works well um ultra pro make sure to check them out all right time for to the listeners 
This is a good one. I'm really excited to hear from people. Yeah. It's what are some cards you used to think were great, but maybe have fallen uh, on your list or cards you used to overlook, but now you see as like must includes. What new cards from the last few years have cracked your top 10 for green and black? Yeah, I really want to know that because I didn't really include that many new cards outside of Westvale Abbey, but I'm sure there's something we missed, like maybe Splendor Reclamation uh, or that new card that Harvest Season is another Harvest great season. green card. Yeah, so, but, uh, but they're so unproven Zendikar to Resurgent me. I, talk, I thought yeah. about for a, little, yeah, for a hot yeah. minute. It's just seven mana, but yeah. I would like to hear from you guys what you think. And it's fun to have that kind of reevaluation and that revisit of what you used to think and sort of look at yeah. why you're, you've changed and, and what's caused that and where you're headed. It's just interesting. And we are certainly not 100% correct by any means. So I don't I, think you I can would, be correct, right? This yeah. is not like, I don't know that either of us made the list of top 10, you know, I don't know. I mean, Necropotence is on my list anymore, you know? It's so. for us, right? It's not, yeah, yeah it's just what we think. Yeah. Um, all right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. There's nothing. It's a there's, dark, empty void. There's only magic. Well, there's some like Ultra Pro product floating around in the nether I have space. one, I have one. Okay. American Gods. Oh, cool. You've been watching? I have been watching it. Now, I read the book uh, a few times. I'm a big fan of the book. I'm curious if you haven't read the book how much the show makes sense to you. <laughs> Uh, Is there a lot of like, what the? I think there would be. Now I've read the book a, a couple of times, so I know everything, but I'm watching it with my girlfriend and she tends to get very confused. Um, so I'm just curious. I, I think it's confusing if you don't. And she's got me to sit there and sort of tell her. But Game of Thrones is like that too, honestly, where mm -hmm. I, literally when I watch Game of Thrones with her, I'm constantly reminding her of who's who because there's so many characters. Yeah. And I've read all the books, so I know. I'll be like, you remember that guy? That's his son. Remember when he did this thing and he shot yeah. the aerial and he missed the boat? Yeah, that's him. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and American Gods kind of can get into that, but it's, it's very good. I'm enjoying it so far i would say that the not the majority but most people that watch game of thrones have one person in their life that's like i'm gonna explain everything to you <laughs> maybe that's why so many people gather to watch shows like that yeah because they're sure. really gathering around the one person that can sort of make sure that everyone knows what's going like who's who it's <laughs> yeah. not like you don't have a general idea of what's going on but you're, you you need reminders about the specifics yeah oh, american god's cool 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 something else that's cool is our sister podcast the masters of modern cool 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 you know what else is cool? cool. Segway Man is cool. Cool, cool, cool. Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. You can find them uh, on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them right next to us at collected.company. You can also find them in a couple of weeks at GP Vegas. Whoa. Cool. And uh, I don't have... <laughs> and I don't have... I haven't heard from them, but I'm going to assume that at least one of them is going to be at our party. If they're not, we're going to stop mentioning them at the end of the show. Oh, wow. So you've been put on notice, Alex and Ben, not that they listen. Uh, <laughs> they better be at our party. And speaking of the party, we're talking about Thursday, June 15th, yeah. from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Here's the banner. At the Plaza Hotel. You're going to be seeing the nice, cool little invite we made up. Uh, you made up. There's going to be Commander Games, Casual Magic. We're going to have free drafts. We're going to have to that. snacks. We're going to have drinks. We're going to give away prizes. Special guests. You don't want to miss it. If you're going to be anywhere near Vegas in the middle of June, 
June 15th, we better see you at the Plaza Hotel. For sure. You're also going to actually meet our editor, Terry Robertson, who's going to be accompanying us throughout the weekend. He does all of the video editing on the show, so you can find the videos, and you're going to want to watch the video for an episode like this at youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. Terry does a great job. He's also going to be walking around covering us and uh, doing some filming for us at Vegas that weekend. So, Oh, yeah. We should also say that we are in talks right now, and it's probably going to happen to be involved in the actual GP a little bit. So we might be do a panel. There might be... Bounty events. Yeah. We might be showing up at some of the events. Uh, we so want to be able to engage with you all and in as many ways as possible outside of just playing Commander games and at the, the meetup as well. So, yeah. So if you can't make the Thursday party, which is crazy if you can't, but if you can't, then Friday, Saturday, we'll be at the GP Sunday too. Yep. Uh, and, and not just involved in just in official events we will do that we'll also be there looking for games of commander with the listeners uh the place is huge there'll be tons of empty tables and we will park at some of them and we will spell sling and battle it out with you so come find us yeah uh, the best way to follow along with where we're going to be so you can find us for stuff like that is to go to uh twitter because we're going to post where we're at and all that stuff at command cast at jf wong at josh lee Kwai. make sure to follow all three if you're going to be at gp vegas because that's going to be the best way to keep tabs on where we're at. That's how I'll update you. Also, big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does all the Living Card animations in our show. You can find him at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. And that about wraps it up for this episode. It was a, a good nice, one. A nice quick short one. Yeah, nice short hour, hour two, hour point two. Hey, listen, we used to do two hours. We used to do two a week. They used to be an hour and a half each. This is pretty good. <sighs> Oof. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.